Amen. Let's go to John chapter 2. Thank you, guys. Awesome. John chapter 2. I'm going to start from verse 1. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. (laughs) So Jesus said to to Mary, Dear woman, why do you involve me? My time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. And the nearby stood six stones water of jars, uh, water jars, the kind that is used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons of water. That probably around about 120 liters, I would say, up to 120 liters. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So, th- so they filled, filled the jars right to the brim. Then he told them, now, draw some out and take it to the, masters, to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, then the cheaper wine after the guest had too much to drink. But you have saved the best until now. Verse 11. This is the first of Miraculous sign that Jesus performed at Cana uh, Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory and his disciples put their faith in him. Well, we've been uh, going through this series and we we promised you last year, before the end of the year, (laughs) that we're going to be preaching about Jesus for the whole year. (laughs) We can talk about many things. But it's great to talk about Jesus, don't you think? (laughs) You want to hear more about Jesus. So uh, uh, we've started from John chapter 1, and we, we, in John chapter 1, pretty much there are two passages that we dealt with. And both passages talk about who Jesus was or who Jesus is, who Jesus really is. As I said in in those two, two weeks, Many people talk about Jesus, the Muslims, the Jews, the atheists, whoever, the secular people talk about Jews, and even the Christians talk about Jews. But really, we need to, to know Jesus as who Jesus really is. And I, I described how the Gospel of John really describes who Jesus really is. Um, as I said, just reflecting back, John wrote the Gospel as a reflection of at the end of his life, after being with Jesus 
for three and a half years while Jesus was alive. And then and all throughout his ministry, it was like, as he was writing, it was like the penny dropped. This is the Jesus that I know. And uh, so, yeah, in, uh, in, in his prologue, that's how he be- began his, his gospel with the prologue. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and so on. We talked about it two weeks ago. How Jesus is actually God became a man. And uh, Jesus became a man. And then in the, in the next passage, he started talking about Jesus as the Lamb of God. That takes away the sin of the world. And... Uh, he spoke to the, the, the audience were the Pharisees and the, the, the priests who understood the language of the Lamb. But the way they understood, we, we talked about it, it's like the Lamb, sacrificial Lamb in the Old Testament because he talked to the expert of the Bible, of the Scripture, of the Old Testament. So when he said the Lamb that takes away the sin of the world, they understand the, the, the language of the Lamb, but... The idea of the lamb that takes away the sin of the world is something new for them because in the Old Testament, the lamb was there to cover the sin, never had the power to actually remove sin. But now, John testified that this lamb of God has the ability to take away the sin of the world. It's really interesting because this combination of the two passages is this. God became a man, and when he became a man, he became the Lamb of God, sacrificial Lamb of God. It's because it makes sense to redeem mankind. Man cannot redeem himself. Doesn't matter what we do, none of our good deeds will redeem us in any way, shape, or form. Nothing. It means that as the offender, mankind... We are, because we are the offender, we are obligated to pay the price. Even though we are obligated, well, we are not able to pay the price. And yet God, who is not the offender, is able to pay the price, but not obligated. So guess what? God decided to, became, to become a man. So as a man, he's obligated to pay the price. And also, because he's God, he's able to pay the price. So he took a place where this Lamb of God is able, is obligated and able. The two parties come together. Isn't that powerful? That's how God, that's how God did it. He took both, the place of both parties into one. And he paid the ultimate price. So that's Jesus who Jesus is. And the passage that we just read, if God became a man, pretty much the, the writer of the, uh, the Gospel of John began with who Jesus really is, and now he moved to a, to a different sort of uh, theme. It's like, okay, this is, that is Jesus is God became a man. So if God became a man, what would he be like? What would he do? Chapter 2 pretty much reflects that. So my, my uh, title this morning is, if Jesus reflects everything that God is, 
from chapter 2. If you want, if you like the, the title, my title this morning is just to make a point. Jesus gives a stuff about everything about us. Yeah. He cares, put it that way. <laughs> he gives a stuff about us. Yeah. He gave us stuff, a stuff. <laughs> yeah. He cares. <laughs> so in, uh, as we unpack this, uh, the, uh, the, this passage, begin with ch- uh, chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 1. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother's, uh, Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. So this, the story pretty much, you know, we can, we can conclude that it's a, the, the people who had the, the, the party is a close friend of Jesus and, and his mother. That's why they attended there. They're not, they don't just happen to be there. They were invited. And uh, not only that, obviously the disciples also were close friends of these people. So they were all there. They were all invited. Now, there's a strong possibility, as I read the passage, that Jesus' mother, Mary, was probably part of the preparation, preparation of the party. She was responsible somehow in the party because, you know, when you go to a party just as a guest, when the wine runs out, you don't notice that, you know, initially. You don't know what's going on. But because, obviously, Jesus' mom... Uh, Mary noticed immediately when the wine was, was running out. So he, uh, so she was totally alerted by, the, by that and took, like, took responsibility. It's like, wow, we need to do something about this. So uh, she went to Jesus and told Jesus about it. It's really interesting because when the situation, when she was faced with the situation, the first, her, her first response was turning to Jesus. It could be the way, the way she said, that, uh, we have no, no more wine, okay, she said. But the, 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 the possibility of this, it could be that just as a matter of fact, a casual remark, oh, well, they've run out of, you know, run out of wine kind of thing. But also, the other possibility could be that because she came to Jesus because she knew Jesus could fix the problem. You got to understand, this is, the Bible says this is the first miracle Jesus performed. Now, recorded miracle. All right? And Jesus' response to, her, to her, her remark is like, what have I got to do with this? <laughs> it's interesting. And he said, in verse 4, Woman, why do you involve me? And uh, my thing is like, and and, and also he said, my time has not yet come. So that, that answer really is really interesting because 
Okay, by, by the way, when Jesus said, woman, why do you involve me? That is not a remark of a disrespect on Jesus' part. Because in Greek, apparently, that is not, that is not in any way a, a disrespectful kind of remark. Because actually, Jesus used the same word when he was on the cross in John chapter 19, when he said to John to take care of his mother, remember? And he said, and, and pretty much said to, to, to his mother also, look up to John, he's going to look after you. He said, woman, woman, behold your son, referring to John, the writer of the gospel. So it's, a, it's a, an endearing and there is a respect there in, in the remark of Jesus concerning his mother. But he said, my, the, my hour is not yet come. Now, this is an interesting uh, statement of Jesus because this statement, my hour or the hour has not come, my hour has not come, is repeated many times in the book of in the Gospel of John, John chapter 7, verse 30, and John chapter 8, verse 20, where it says people want to arrest Jesus, but they could not because they, they could not arrest him because his hour was not yet come. Okay? And also, when, uh, when you know, with other situations, when Jesus was faced with, 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 with something, there was a challenge. As a matter of fact, not only that his hour was, was not there yet, but the, the awareness of Jesus about his hour. In uh, chapter 13, when he was washing the disciples' feet, it says that Jesus was aware, totally aware, that the hour is now for him to go to the cross. So my conclusion is like, Jesus, it was as if the, the writer of the book of John was de- deliberately presenting how aware Jesus of the, this uh, divine agenda in everything that he does. There is a definite divine agenda. So my, my question is, why did Mary, actually, back to that question, why did Mary come to Jesus if that, that was the first, said recorded miracle publicly, why did she come to Jesus? I think... It is possible, even though it, it is not written, growing up, I believe somehow Mary had, had seen some kind of provision from God through Jesus in their own private life, while Pilate probably didn't know that. And somehow, she probably watched Jesus' prayer being answered. It's not recorded, but I think it's possible the reason I feel safe to say that because the next verse, it says that the moment after Jesus said, what, what have you got to do with me? What has this thing got to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Immediately, Mary turned to the servants and said, listen, whatever Jesus told you to do, just do it. Just obey him. In other words, she was expecting, she was anticipating something from Jesus. She knew something could happen. And of course, they did. And they've experienced a massive, massive miracle. Massive miracle. Could you imagine going to a party where you have 120 liters of wine? <laughs> 
I don't know what kind of party that would be, but <laughs> there will be an amazing party. But this is what I want you, what I want you and I to learn. There is a pattern here. That even though Jesus lived his life on earth to serve a divine agenda, okay, and that was his reply to, to his mother, but somehow he still found that it's okay to meet people's needs as simple as that needs was. Just, you know what? If you don't have fun, just drink a cup of tea, for goodness sake, you know? Or drink water. But actually, he met them right where they're at. Some, I, I remember I was in Indonesia hearing one guy was sharing about this first miracle. And he said, often people question why the first miracle of Jesus was performed in Cana, Galilee, up north in the northern region. Why wasn't it performed in Jerusalem, the center of everything about Israel, everything? Where the temple is. Why was it, what was it, you know, performed in, in, in uh, Galilee, in Cana, Galilee, not in Jerusalem. And he said, we can build all kinds of theological uh, interpretation on that, but he said, it was very simple. <laughs> what was the answer? Because he was invited there. <laughs> really, it really is that simple. The reason Jesus performed the, 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 the miracle there, because he was invited. So the first thing of miracle in our lives, really, that, that, that is the first step. We need to invite Jesus into our lives. Many people want to have a miracle in their lives, but never invited Jesus and never experienced anything. And then number two, it wasn't just the invitation of the, the host, but somebody, in this case is. Jesus' mother stepped out in faith and asked Jesus because of the needs were there. Now, I want you to, to pay attention to just this little truth that is amazing. The two things that happen here. First, the invitation. Number two, the stepping out in faith on, on behalf of Mary, you know, Mary stepping out in faith you know, in faith, two things took place here. It says that, you know how Jesus said, my hour has not yet come. It was as if, it doesn't matter what the agenda is, but meeting people's needs, there's always time for it. So that's number one. Number two, it says that Jesus told the servants to fill the, all these jars with water and they were actually just filled with water for purification. Do you guys understand in the, in the Jewish tradition, what Jesus was doing was actually breaking the protocol, breaking the tradition. It was then traditionally and politically incorrect, totally. 
Because anything, that, that water was meant for purification. It means anything else other than purification water is unclean. But here's the point. To meet people's needs, Jesus has no problem breaking the tradition. He put himself on the line. He would go that far. doesn't matter about tradition. And sometimes, you know what? We think because we don't do this thing enough, we don't, the church doesn't do this thing enough, and we think maybe just that's why my prayer is not answered. That is not the reason. Maybe I'm in this trouble because I just don't do, you know, whatever it is. Churches have built this kind of perception in people. If I just do something like this, maybe, maybe just I'm going to be out of this trouble. But really, it's just that simple. Invite him into your situation and step out in faith. That two points. And Jesus was willing to break every law <laughs> just to meet people's needs. It's crazy. And broke, seemingly broke a divine agenda. <laughs> My hour is not, not yet come, but I'll do it anyway. Isn't that crazy? I hope you understand Jesus a little bit more. Just like, man, Jesus, he's not really that petty. He's not really that complicated. The Bible says, we have not because we do not ask. <laughs> James 4, 2. James chapter 4, verse 2. Many of us feel with needs, but sometimes it, the needs that we hope God will, will, will meet becomes just a wish for many of us. And that's for me too. Because we don't actually specifically ask Jesus. Jesus promised, he himself promised in Matthew 7, verse 7, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And that particular verse is actually is said in a present tense. And it can be, interpret, can, can be interpreted this way. Ask and keep on asking, and it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking. Make it a habit, because present tense implies a habit. If you live your life in the habit of asking, if you live your life in the habit of seeking, and you will find, if you live your life in the habit of of knocking and keep on knocking, it will be open for you. The door will be open for you. Sometimes we, we grow weary in asking and seeking God, but you know the song we just sang before? All I want is more of you. Jesus, I, I am thirsty. We just need to keep on asking. Now Jesus 
Jesus meets, if you, as we go through the gospel, Jesus meets our needs in many different ways. And sometimes, I've said it before, but I'm going to say it, say it again. When we ask Jesus something, whatever Jesus gives us because of our prayer, that is not the thing that will change us. Do you understand that? I'm going to say it again. When we ask Jesus for something and he gives it to us, that gift that we ask, that is not going to change you and I as people, as a person. You know what changes us? It's the time we spend in prayer. Hello? Because what it produces, it produces in us endurance. Because the time when we cry before God, we pray and we pray, we become better people. That's, that is the making of you and I. And you know what? For Jesus, that is more precious than the gift itself. I believe that. Why? Because the relationship happened between, in the meantime. Jesus does answer prayer. I remember it was 1994. I was working in a factory. I was a tire builder. I had to make tires, like 500 tires. This South Pacific Dunlop, I had to make 500 tires daily. Now, because of my job, I started to develop this condition, bulging of the disc, because I bend a lot. It's a repetitive movement. So after a while, I went to, I went to the, uh, the physiotherapist, and his first, first uh, word to me was, he said, maybe just, I think you need to consider having a different career. I thought, great. You got to understand, I've got five, uh, four kids at that time, and at that time, Diane was pregnant with our, our fifth child, Joshua. And then the guy already said, oh, you probably need to consider a different career. And I thought, man, at this age, you know, finding a new job, it's like, and a physical job, it's like, so anyway, prior to that, Diane and I, we've, we've been feeling like God wants to lead us into, God is leading us into a, into a ministry, but we didn't know what it was. But, so I just worked, I was working like 70 hours 72 hours a week just to make ends meet, you know. And, uh, and then, so we, I was like, okay, God, what, what am I going to do? So anyway, right at that time, they, they uh, and when I say 72 hours, that is overtime. I have to do the whole thing just to, to meet the basic family needs. So by the time I'm injured, I'll be, I was on uh, a light duty, which means I could not do overtime. That means my, financially, we went down. So we struggled financially. So we prayed, God, you know, like month, month by month, like, God, you know, what are we going to do? And uh, so one day, the, the, you know, during that year, the, the company was going to retrench some people. So they said, we're going to retrench some people. And... And in this retrenchment, we're going to give a package. Depends on how long you've been in the, in the, in the, in the factory. And we're going to give some package. So I thought, great. You know, I'll, I'll grab the package, grab the money, and go. You know? So I voluntarily, I'll put my name down to be retrenched. And uh, so on the day, you know, typical company, they, they do the retrenchment on the 30th of June. 
before the, uh, uh, at the end of the tax, taxable year. So 30th of June, I was working and people being called one by one. People went to, to the office, the manager's office, and many of them cried because, you know, they, like, you know, they lost their jobs, like a lot of people. So anyway, I thought, how come I'm not called? I put my name down. So I went, knock on my manager's door. I said, what happened? <laughs> I said, I put my name down. And he said, yeah, I know you put your name down. He said, so how come, how come you don't sack me, you know? And, and I said, uh, and, and the manager said, because we don't want you to go. I said, but I volunteered, you know. <laughs> I want to go. He said, but we don't want you to go <laughs> because you're a good worker. I said, but what good worker? I'm injured. That means I will not as productive as what you would like me to be. He said, I know you're, you're, you're injured, but we want you to be healed and, and stay in the factory because you're a good worker. So anyway, I walked to the manager's office. I was really upset. So my friends said, well, I lost my job. So they said, I can't believe you lost your, your job. It's like, you're a good man. I said, that's a problem. I didn't. That's why I'm upset. <laughs> I want the money. So anyway, so I thought God is not answering my prayer. God, I prayed, I believe, like I tithe. I, I prayed, God, what's going on? And then also on, at that time, with, with four kids, our friend said, you know what? With four kids, uh, with the fifth child come, comes, you, know, you need, a, a, at that time, it's Tarago, you know, like a people mover. So I thought, great, you know, I don't have the money for it. It's like, you know, what am I going to do? So anyway, on top of that, right in the midst of that, so they delivered the package. I didn't get it. And in the midst of that, I felt sick. I think uh, the I was I was I was struck with a severe they call it labyrinthitis. Diana, we were singing at someone's wedding. As we finished, as they finished the, the wedding ceremony, as people were walking out, I collapsed on stage, and uh, my pastor then, Kevin Connor, thought I died because I just collapsed. He thought I had a heart attack and died. And I was taken to the hospital, and I spent three nights in the hospital. And then uh, got out of the hospital. I thought, God, how bad can it get? It's like, you know, I don't get the money. I can't work harder. Now, I'm sick in bed. I was in bed for seven, actually seven weeks I was in bed. I couldn't walk a straight line. I had severe vertigo. So I was really dejected by the whole thing. It's like, oh, God, God, really, are you really, you know, you go, go through that moment. Like, are you really listening to my prayer? Not realizing he was doing something behind the scene. So anyway, I, so I had to apply for sick leave because I had a lot of sick leave. So sick leave after sick leave. And finally, I thought, I rang my, my personnel manager. Personnel manager, I said, listen. The way I'm going physically, there's no way I, I can go back to the factory. Is there any way that I can get that package? He said, listen, the package has been given. This is, about, this is August. The package was given over a month ago, 30th of June. I don't know. Let me find out. So, in September, 
two months later, he called me. He said, do you still want that package? Now, you've got to understand, I lived then at that time in Knoxville. And the factory was in Craigieburn. The manager said to me, I'm going to drive all the way to your house and deliver the package. You don't have to come back to the factory. So he drove all the way, an hour and a half, to the, just handed the, the, the package. And even at the door, at, 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 we were sitting in front of him, he said, do you still want the package? So in other words, I could, could decide to, to, to stay, but it was like God handed the whole thing over to me. And Diana said, okay, well, just wait one minute. So we went to the bedroom and we prayed. Yeah, take it. <laughs> so he gave the package. And after we received the package, I was able to buy the right car for our family with five kids. And God provided the rest. And I thought, but God, my back is still sore. And I prayed and prayed, you know, I would like to be healed. Three years later, I was watching Benny Hinn <laughs> on TV. Now, I don't know Benny Hinn. That program been probably been recorded maybe a, a month or two before. I thought, nah. And as I was watching him, he said, I'm going to pray for people at home who are sick. So I just laid hands on the TV. Didn't feel anything. You got to understand, at that point, Three years later, I was, my back was killing me. I, when I led praise and worship, I couldn't last a song. I would be standing like this because my back was killing me. I had the sciatic nerve down to my, my foot. I was like praising God, not, not, not so much that I was lost in the presence, I was in pain. <laughs> but three years later, I was, I was watching Benny Hinn. I said, God, I'm going to step out in faith. I laid hands on, on, on TV. I forgot about it. At the end of that day, I thought, gee, there's no pain. Oh, there's no pain. Until today, there's no pain. So guess what? God answered my prayer on both issues, the finances and my healing. Now, it's not instant, but he did. But guess what? During that time, I spent in asking God, keep seeking, keep on knocking, keep on asking. I became more convinced about who Jesus is. There are many of us here. Maybe you prayed about stuff in your life. Ask Jesus. Maybe some of you are disappointed in your faith. Well, you know what? Just keep asking. Keep seeking God. Keep believing God. Because he gives us stuff. He does. (laughs) He does. He does care. I just want to make a point. No, he does. Let's all stand up. Can I have the measles, please? And from that story that we just read, 
The moment you reach out in faith and believe Jesus, he cuts across every system, religious system that we've developed, every preconceived idea. He couldn't care less about all those things. All he wants just we come to him and believe him. Yeah. There's another story. We, we, we read it one day. A lady, it says that with, a, with an issue of blood, which means she was supposed to be declared unclean. So by law, she was not supposed to be in there publicly. Let alone touching Jesus, this holy man. You know, people saw him as holy man at that point. Could you imagine for the religious people, how dare you touch me? You are unclean. You are not supposed to do that. But for Jesus, no, no, no. I like that touch because it's a touch of faith. It's a touch of a believing heart. I like that. As a matter of fact, Jesus didn't give it to her. She took it out of Jesus. That's what the Bible says. Jesus experienced, Jesus felt power came out of him. Let's just, yeah, sing that song. What I want of you. I'll give you my testimony because there are two needs that, that, that are presented in that story. Financial need. And physically, I needed healing. And Jesus answered both of them. Not instantly, but I had to fight for it. When I say fight, it's not because I'm so good. I just keep on believing Jesus. It really is that simple. So I don't know what your fight is right now. It could be business, could be the relationship, could be anything. Two things that we learn from the story. Invite Jesus into the situation. He was there because he was invited. First point, number two, point number two, ask in faith like Mary did. Whenever in the absence of faith, there's no answer of prayer. You have, however you express that faith, as simple as Jesus, I need this. Jesus, that is faith. It's that simple. You know what? Now is the right time to just come to him and say, Jesus, I want you. I mean, really, it doesn't get any simpler than that. Forget everything else you know about church, whatever Jesus, what you think. He just wants you. He doesn't want anything else of you. He doesn't care what you can do for him. He just wants you. Because all you need is Him. So if if you don't know Jesus, I'd like you to just put your hand up. I'm going to pray for you. It will be the greatest privilege to just bring people, to introduce people to Jesus. Anyone, anyone who doesn't know Jesus but want to know Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, to speak to people. 
He's a good God. He cares about every little thing about us, what we need, who we are. Thank you, Jesus. But here's what I would like to do as we close the meeting. It's about Jesus.